Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's part two of the off-season primer. We'll take a look at every position group and look at some numbers, the strengths of the players, some areas we can get better in with each room, all of my opinion, of course. We'll take a look at the top free agents and draft prospects available according to CBS Sports as well as Pro Football Focus for those lists as we prepare for another offseason in the National Football League. And we'll also update you on the latest around the Miami Dolphins, including the coaching search from somewhere in South Florida. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Cast your votes right now for Jalen Waddle for rookie or Pepsi Rookie of the Year, I should say. He is one of the nominees for that award. So go ahead and cast your vote by tweeting hashtag Pepsi ROI and then put Jalen Waddle's handle in the tweet and that will count as a vote or you can retweet mine. You can retweet the Dolphins account, whatever you want to do. Let's go ahead and get that man that award because he played fantastic in his rookie season. The Dolphins will have a new coach in Jalen Waddle's second season, and we've added to that list already of interview requests since you and I last spoke, which previously included Brian Dayball, Kellen Moore, Leslie Frazier, Dan Quinn, Mike McDaniel, and Vance Joseph, and added to the list on Friday, Thomas Brown, the Los Angeles Rams current running backs coach and assistant head coach with Sean McVay out there in L.A., And that's been his calling since, well, probably since the first time he touched a football because he played running back at Georgia, was drafted by the Falcons, wound up on IR, and then was waived that offseason and played two years with the Cleveland Browns before going back to UGA as a strength and conditioning coach. He coached running backs at Chattanooga, Marshall, Wisconsin, then returned back to his alma mater. That was one year each, then a three-year stint at the U, Miami, as the OC and running backs coach before one year in South Carolina before a jump to the National Football League where he was a running backs coach in 2020 and then promoted his second season to assistant head coach there alongside Sean McVay. Man, coaching's a tough racket, isn't it? New jobs almost every year until you finally settle into one. I mean, it's, it's tough to, to bounce around like that, I'd imagine. But real quick, Wisconsin, 2014, Melvin Gordon, 2015 with the, the Georgia Bulldogs, Nick Chubb, then with the Hurricanes, Mark Walton, Gus Edwards, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas, all backs that went from his room to the pro. So make it seven names as of this recording on the requested interviews list for the next head coach of your Miami Dolphins. So right now, Brian Dayball, Kellen Moore, Leslie Frazier, Mike McDaniel, Vance Joseph, Dan Quinn, and Thomas Brown. Let's go ahead and talk about the roster the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins will have to work with here and start with our part two of the offseason primer with the interior defensive line, which is one of a few positions, almost the entire roster on defense really, that is good and deep. And we start here with Christian Wilkins, who has a fifth year option in 2023 and then a UFA in 2024. Four and a half sacks for him this season, five or rather four passes defensed, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and 89 tackles was a franchise record 
by a defensive lineman. He had 13 QB hits, 10 tackles for loss. He had a reception, one receiving yard, and one receiving touchdown. He had 31 quarterback pressures and 43 run stops. Those ranked 34th and tied for third among all interior defensive linemen per pro football focus. And that pressure number, we like context with our stats, especially on this podcast. And Christian operated as a guy that he was basically the dude at your open gym that sets that excellent back pick to free you up for an easy bucket, an easy lay-in off the glass. And Christian does that frequently on the football version with his pick stunts that he operates with Miami's rush games. The list is long for this guy. Two gap, one gap, double teams, stretch run pursuit, controlling his man at the point against power schemes, setting picks, executing games with a selfless mindset, the leadership, the infectious attitude that he loves. That video of him in the mic'd up session where he just keeps saying, I love football. And no one's really acknowledging him for the most point. But then finally, Vince Beagle's next to him and says, I love football. And by that point, all he can do to contain himself is to tickle Vince Beagle because he's so excited about someone else sharing that vocal presentation of his love for the game. Like, that's the best thing I've seen on Mike Dub in a long, long time. And I mean, can you tell this is one of my favorite players in the league? I, for my for my things he can work on, there's always things you can work on, of course, but I just wrote down to run it back. Do that again, because you do that again, that's a really good Pro Bowl-level season for Christian Wilkins. Zach Sealer is up next. He's also an unrestricted free agent in 2024. We got these guys locked up for the foreseeable future here. Two sacks, three passes defensed. He's forced to fumble. He's recovered two, 62 tackles, three QB hits, and six tackles for loss. He pitched in with 23 QB pressures and 38 run stops of his own. And I just wanted to note the sheer strength that's on display really seemingly almost every single snap. I mean, there was a snap where both he and Christian won on their pass rush moves where the offensive lineman was kind of falling forward out over his skis. That was such a microcosm of the way these two guys played this year. Just pass rush, strength at the point, really impressive stuff from both these guys. And Zach Sealer is just so tough to move. And he has surprising movement ability for a guy that plays at that size. For those of you that are new to the podcast, I've talked about this at least four or five times, but he measured alongside J.J. Watt and Mario Williams in terms of guys that were a certain threshold of height, weight, length, 40, 10-yard split, three-cone, like all these measurements that kind of encompass the size and athletic ability of a player. He was one of he was, those three guys were in a league of their own in terms of a certain measurement of that stat. I have it somewhere. I can pull it back up on a future podcast. It just speaks to his rarity with the size and athletic combination that he features. And, you know, just like Christian and the way that he controls the point, he's flexible across the entire defensive line playing inside and outside. I mean, he's listed as a DM, but he plays anywhere from really the two technique out to the five. And again, similar to Christian, run this thing back. The one thing I saw during the season was when you expanded his workload, this was an idea that I saw out there, that the production might drop. I thought it was silly, and it was proven to be silly because his workload did increase at the end of the season, and the production did not decrease. So he was consistently good no matter how much he played this season. And what a find this guy was back off of waivers or after being cut by the Ravens in December of 2019. What a find for the Miami Dolphins. Raekwon Davis is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Another one of these guys here for the next couple of years, for sure, if not beyond. 0.5 sacks, one tackle for loss, one QB hit. And I don't think the counting stats really do it as far as what Raekwon's impact is for this football team. Nose tackle is such a thankless job. So let's look at it like this. Games with Raekwon 
And I'm going to go ahead and exclude the New England opener from that list because he was hurt on the opening series, if not the first play of the game. If I recall correctly, I think it was the first series, like the third or fourth play. But with Raekwon Davis, 101.5 rushing yards per game. Without him, and it's 13 to four games, 136.8 yards per game. So what is that? 35 extra rushing yards per game without Raekwon Davis out there. Five pressures, 15 run stops. I think he does a good job of playing low and kind of dropping the anchor against the run, which is saying something because of his length that he played. I mean, it's it's tough to get that big of a body down low and win the pad level battle. But I mean, that said, the length also helps him to stack and disengage in so many of the two gap scheme the Dolphins ran this year. And in terms of things I think he could improve upon, I would just say further develop the rush game and utilize the length that he features in the passing game because, you know, that's going to help you if you can kind of get that grip strength and pull guys and do different things where you get momentum going one direction and jerk it back the other way. That's kind of how pass rushing works and length like that and power like that can go a long way. Adam Butler, speaking of pass rush, this guy did it this year. He's an unrestricted free agent in 2023, so he's back again this season or under contract, I should say, at the current time. Uh, Two sacks, three passes defense, five quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. He had uh, four QB pressures and seven run stops. And I noted his first step quickness. I mean, I've talked about it for five months now, or I guess probably 10 months since he signed here. And the burst to kind of reset the protection in the passing game, to to stress certain angles and gaps that the offensive line, to stretch them out, right? Like if you if you put certain pressure on a gap and that particular offensive lineman wants to be, you know, closer to his center and now he has to get back out closer to his tackle, then that can impact the way other lanes open up and help impact the blitz game as a, gen, as a, as a whole. So I thought he did that generally pretty well. And you saw the run game numbers. I mean, he was, he was consistent in both those departments as a pass rusher and run defender when he was with the Patriots. And of course, this is something all, you know, similar to what I'll mention later on with regards to Noah Igbenogany and who you're going to take snaps away to get those guys work with Butler. I mean, Christian and Sealer played 34 combined games this year. You want to take them off the field for rundowns? You know, I told you Raekwon's run game impact. You want to take him off the field? My point is Butler played 133 snaps against the run, and that's a benefit because it keeps him fresh for the pass rush game where he really, really excels. And then just good depth as a run defender if you need to call upon him. So that's where I think you would say, you know, work on that part of your game, but I think he can do it. It just wasn't one of his primary roles this season as he played that more rush package and fourth defensive tackle when it came to the running game. Not under contract. John Jenkins is an unrestricted free agent. He had 16 tackles this year and seven games played, two pressures and nine run stops. Uh, there's not much tape to work off of there. So I thought that he did what he, what he's kind of done his entire career, a good job holding the point against the running game, not much pass rush production there. But overall, for being signed for depth for this team and being active for seven games, he's about what you would want in that exact position any any year. As far as the room in total, I, I think this is one of the deepest rooms in the entire football team. Their depth, their run defense, their power, the whole list you can really put down here. If I did have to list something to see improvement from, I would just say maybe more consistent pass rush wins without bringing extra rushers to the party. But that's super nitpicky because these guys can do it. They just don't get asked to do it a whole lot. In the draft, Jordan Davis from Georgia is an absolute monster of a man. I, I think he's probably the size of my house. Uh, he, he's number one defensive tackle on most lists. His, his teammate, Devontae Wyatt, is number two on CBS's list. Both those guys can flat out play. Wyatt, he, he's a certain kind of Tasmanian devil element to his game. Logan Hall at Houston, DeMarvin Leal at Texas A&M, 
Travis Jones at UConn, seen a lot of buzz about his game lately, and Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma are some names in the draft that come in the top 100 of CBS's overall big board. And as far as PFF's top 100 defensive tackles, Akeem Hicks is one of the very best in the game, both in the run and passing game. Calais Campbell, I mean, that's the the body composition of Raekwon Davis we talked about. He's taken that frame and made a Hall of Fame career out of it. And Dominican Sue also scheduled to be a UFA this offseason. He's bounced around but had production and played like 900 plus snaps for like a billion consecutive years. Very impressive player. Larry Okunjobi, formerly of the Browns and now with the Bengals playing the playoffs this weekend. Also another very good interior defensive lineman. Linval Joseph, you know his name. Brandon Williams, the also built like a house defensive tackle from the Baltimore Ravens. Gerald McCoy's coming off an injury, but he's also a UFA. BJ Hill, Foley Fatakusi from the Jets, and Bilal Nichols. It's a deep, deep class on the interior defensive line this coming draft, or this coming free agency period, I should say, which supports the fact that most pundits have not been huge fans of the defensive tackle draft class, both this cycle and last year's cycle as well. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there. But when we come back, we'll get into the edge, talk about off-ball linebackers and the defensive secondary as we review the Dolphins roster and take a look ahead to the offseason coming your way here next on the Drive Time Podcast, Offseason Primer, Part 2. Welcome back into the Drive Time Podcast. We're taking a look at the Dolphins roster, opening this thing up, talking about what we have in the inventory and what's out there on the shelves this upcoming offseason with our part two primer. And we pick it back up here talking about the edge defenders on this defense. We've already talked about the offense and the interior defensive linemen. So we go out wide and start here with players under contract with the Miami Dolphins. Andrew Van Ginkle is an uh, he'll be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. This year, he had four sacks, seven passes defense. He forced a fumble, 71 tackles, 20 QB hits, and nine tackles for loss. PFF had him for 94 pressures and 38 run stops. I just think he's a three-facet player. Rush, run game, coverage. I think if you guys heard me back on the Locked On Dolphins days, I was really big on Andrew Van Ginkle's tape because I wasn't real familiar with his game. And then they take him in the fifth round. And I thought to myself, oh, that guy's really good <laughs> after watching him and studying his tape. And I've only seen that kind of develop here in Miami. He finds ways to defeat blocks, whether it's with quickness or physicality. I love the way he recognized the backside pull action all season, whether it was a guard coming across or a tight end in that split zone look how he can find a way to make their block against him fail is impressive for a guy that's kind of got a a thinner build. I also thought that his quickness took another step as a pass rusher this year. His ability to kind of bend the arc and flatten while dipping that inside shoulder, which only serves to create a smaller target for the offensive tackle. And he also just always beats tight ends one-on-one. That that was kind of the theme for the entire room. If you wanted to put a tight end one-on-one and slide a different direction, Good luck because Phillips, Ogbon, Van Ginkle beat them all year long, which is what you want, but it's not something that's a given. And then also his spatial awareness, Van Ginkle's, in coverage as that curl flat defender. There's so many route combos that want to try to influence both those areas of the field and create conflict, but he does a good job of finding depth and kind of keeping the game in front of him to, to dissect it that way. I just love his game, man. He's probably the same thing if you want to talk about what to work on that we've talked about with him each of the last couple of years is just to continue to add functional strength. But I think he's done plenty of that in his first two off seasons as a pro and it's shown. Speaking of functional strength and body composition, Jalen Phillips comes up next. Being a first-round draft pick in 2021, he has the fifth-year option in 25 and a UFA in 2026. So 
A lot, of, a lot of runway here with Jalen Phillips. Eight and a half sacks in his rookie season. That was a Miami Dolphins rookie record. One pass defense, one fumble recovery, 42 tackles, 16 QB hits, nine TFLs. PFF gave him 39 pressures and 16 run stops. thought the speed to power move was just chef's kiss, man. He's The way he's affecting passing games, even more than his numbers would suggest. This is a guy who was garnering double teams and chips and additional help before the sack production really took off. I mean, when you come into a game with, what was it, like one and a half career sacks and they're putting tight ends and backs and doubling you, it says a lot about what you can do. And his length and rush arsenal were two things that I thought really stood out this year as well. And what I mean by rush arsenal is you can see him kind of progress throughout the course of the game and try out different things and find what works and then come up with solutions towards the end and help close out games. thought we saw that a few times this year from the rookie and you know, mega, mega upside to his game and what he can do. I think he's just scratching the surface. Now, for what he can improve upon, he did say this, to be in position next year to be more consistently trusted in the running game. And not that he wasn't this year. I mean, shoot, some of those pursuit plays were some of the best teaching tape on the entire team this whole season. But 153 rundown snaps compared to 215 for Ogba and 326 for Van Ginkle. Again, you want to take those guys off the field with the work they did? I really don't, but I have no doubt that Phillips will work his way into playing significant, a significantly bigger chunk of rundowns next season. That's just the kind of worker and the player that he is. As far as players not under contract, Emmanuel Ogba is scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. He had nine sacks, 12 passes defense. That was the most among all defensive linemen this year in the National Football League by a wide margin. He forced a fumble, recovered one, had 42 tackles, 24 QB hits with the nine sacks and nine TFLs. PFF had him for 61 QB pressures and 30 run stops. His ability to consistently win one-on-one as a pass rusher was, I thought, just evident and so imperative from day one of camp, like in those joint scrimmages against the Falcons and Bears when he closed out those late two-minute drills with sacks and sacks and sacks, then to see him do it again with nine this season, truly, truly an impact in the passing game. And his length and the way that he can maintain gap integrity while still affecting the pocket, like he didn't have to have those flybys where you just run around the outside, you know, the outside of the tackle and upfield past the quarterback to eventually work your way into a sack because the interior pressure arrives and then the quarterback has to flee that way. Now, he would stay true to the scheme and didn't bail on his gap and really had that rush integrity. And he does that because he can win in a phone booth with the hands. We talked about the cross chop as one of his patented moves that he wins with, the bull rushes, the speed to power, and then also the length and the way that impacts the passing game with the 12 passes defensed. As far as things he could work on, I would just say, You know, every now and then he got caught on blocks on outside runs that way, but not enough to say it's an area of concern for him. Vince Beagle also is not under contract. UFA this coming offseason played five games, primarily on special teams. He had two tackles. Brandon Scarlett played 13 games, had 19 tackles. He is also a UFA this year. One QB hit, one tackle for loss, three pressures and five run stops. Thought he set a very strong edge in the running game. Thought sometimes in coverage with the curl flat like we talked about with Van Van Ginkle, there was some times where some yards got gained in that regard. As far as the draft goes for the edge position, the top two guys on most teams' big boards, or I think pundits' big boards, are going to be Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan and Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. I lean to Thibodeau because I think he has more freaky athletic traits, and I think that's kind of become my new position as a scout is like, give me the 
best ball of clay I can get and let my coaches go to work on them. But Hutchinson and Thibodeau, I mean, they're both fantastic players, but I think Thibodeau just has a little bit more upside that way. George Karloftis from Purdue is also a, just an effort motor, strong, good pass rusher. David Ojabu from Michigan might be the best of the bunch. Who knows? He might have the highest upside. He's a phenomenal player as well. My Jay Sanders from Cincinnati. He's one of those big 265-pound edges. Boye Mafe from Minnesota can get it done. Kingsley Enogbre from South Carolina. And Drake Jackson also rounded out there for the top edge players on CBS's Top 100. Free agency this year from Pro Football Focus has a bunch of guys on this list as well. Chandler Jones, one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. Dante Fowler, he's had a great career for himself. Emmanuel Ogba, we know about him. Harold Landry, another one of these great wide rushers. Hassan Reddick, a linebacker slash outside rusher who can flat out put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Jason Pierre-Paul, length and pass rush production for years. Jerry Hughes, Randy Gregory, Von Miller, Jadavian Clowney, Justin Houston, Alkadin Muhammad, Derek Barnett, Kimoko Ture, and Charles Harris. Loaded free agent class. We'll see who actually makes it there, but you get the idea. Lots of names on that list. And now we pivot over to off-ball linebackers and start with Jerome Baker, who is signed up here through the 24 season. He'll be a free agent in 2025. This year, 92 tackles, four passes defensed, one fumble forced, one pick, five and a half sacks, 15 QB hits, nine tackles for loss, 31 pressures, and 38 run stops. His angles to the quarterback and timing of snaps as a rusher was fantastic the last couple of years. His speed never sleeps either. I thought he was a little bit sluggish out of the gate, but man, he responded there quickly after that. And there was a play in the finale where he got on his horse right down the pipe and interrupted a passing lane 20 yards down the field on a dig route from Nikhil Harry. That kind of range and versatility is pretty rare at the position. And for his things that I think that he could work on, and I, you know, he's talked about this too, is just getting off blocks in the running game a little more consistently. Calvin Munson is also under contract. He'll be a UFA in 2023, so he's under contract next season. Played four games this year, made two tackles, and then Darius Hodge did not make uh, an appearance for the Miami Dolphins. He's a restricted free agent in 2025. Not under contract. Duke Riley, he'll be an uh, unrestricted free agent. 26 tackles, seven pressures, and nine run stops this season. His first step quickness as a rusher, I thought, stood out this year. He had that blocked punt too, so really good depth and special teams play. Up next, Alandon Roberts, also an unrestricted free agent. 83 tackles this year, four passes defensed, two forced fumbles, a sack, a pick, which ran back for a touchdown in the Las Vegas game, two QB hits, six tackles for loss. He had 10 quarterback pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, and 28 run stops. I put down that he was really physical defender between the B-gaps and run defense, an absolute short yardage thumper, big collision guy, but there was too many instances that I think as far as like working on and breaking down as a tackler, where it was one-on-one in the, in the gap, in the primary gap in the play, and he would kind of overrun the play here and there and miss that play. So just more consistency in that regard from a Landon Roberts. Sam McGuavin also is a restricted free agent, I should say. This year, he made 16 tackles, had a half sack, a fumble recovery, seven QB hits, and then pro football focus had him for 15 QB pressures and four run stops. Special teams prowess, this guy played 20 snaps or more almost every single week on special teams, and the blitzing prowess in a pinch when you want to bring him on to your deep sub packages as a rush linebacker, you like what he can do in that regard as well. As far as the linebacker position goes in the draft, Nicobe Dean from Georgia is the bell of the ball. He is an absolute monster, a maven, a stud, all the superlatives. So is Devin Lloyd at Utah. Actually, you know, these guys are neck and neck for that top spot because his 
ball production and his rush production, his ru- everything he does is really, really good. He would be a phenomenal Mike linebacker for whoever can get him. I love Quay Walker out of Georgia, the length that he displays and how he uses that length to his advantage. Big-time player. Chad Muma is a guy that has come up on some radars here lately. Christian Harris, Alabama. Adam Anderson from Georgia round out the group there from CBS Sports' top 100. And then Pro Football Focus's top 100 free agents is Dante Hightower from the Patriots, Jayon Brown from the Titans, Christian Kirksey, Anthony Walker, Jermaine Carter, and Jawan Bentley, also of the Patriots. So not as deep there as it was on the defensive line. And earlier we talked about the interior defensive line possibly being the deepest position on this roster. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about a group that might have something to say about that, the defensive backs, after a short break here on the Drive Time Podcast, Offseason Primer Part 2. All right, back into the Drive Time Podcast here. We have to take a look at the defensive backs before the specialists, and that will wrap up this off-season primer here in the second, third week of January as we get ready for Senior Bowl, for free agency, for the draft, all the fun stuff coming your way these next few months that roll into mini camps and eventually into training camp. Going to cover all of that here on the Drive Time Podcast, on MiamiDolphins.com, on our social channels, everywhere we are, you should be there following our content. So the cornerback position. I, I tweeted this on Friday when I was going through the list here of players and their stats and their contract statuses and their skill set, my notes for the season. I think the corner, I think the defensive backs in general probably take the cake on the deepest or and most top heavy position, which is well set up for the future because Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Javon Holland all signed through 2024 and Brandon Jones signed through 2023. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off with the star of the group, Xavier Howard. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in 2025. Five interceptions this year, 16 passes defensed, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, two touchdowns, a quarterback hit, 50 tackles, and he had a sack. He played 642 coverage snaps and allowed 717 yards. If you're close to one yard per coverage snap, you're in good territory there. As far as a perimeter cornerback goes, those numbers change among safeties and slot guys. But 57.1% completion and 88.2 passer rating allowed this season. You know, the way he mixes coverages and the the play we broke down his pick six where he showed he showed man, then backed out into zone and then you know, jump that route was just phenomenal. He excels on both coverages, physicality at every phase of the route, elite, elite, like all-time great ball skills this guy has. He can come up and make a tackle as well. As far as things to work on, I'm not going to give him any because, you know, he might gamble sometimes, but I want him to do that because nobody in the NFL takes the football away like Xavier Howard does. Byron Jones, unrestricted free agent, also 2025. There's your tandem right there, man. 58 tackles, 10 passes defensed, one forced fumble, 621 coverage snaps, 655 yards allowed. That's really, really good. 62.8% completion percentage and a 97.8 passer rating. The only reason that number is anywhere close to 100 is because he didn't have any picks this year. If he had even just one pick, that number starts chipping away really quick because he was really good all year long. And I've talked about how I think that Tua excels in the areas that are not necessarily going to pop when you watch you know, your TV on Sunday with a beer in your hand, a pizza on the table. But Byron's tape is so good. The recovery speed, the ability to impact the receiver's release at the line, the intelligent for route concept recognition, his ability to mix it up between zone and man makes the Dolphins so much more flexible. The skills that he and X exhibit drive what this defense can do with the mixing, the confusing, the rushing game up front. 
And the one thing he'll tell you is that he needs more plays in the football. But again, the way he plays and can really plaster guys in coverage, it's hard to get picks when you're so adept at playing the man and not really having eyes on the quarterback so much. And I don't want him to ever stop doing that. He's one of the game's best cover corners since he entered the league, besides the fact that he went and moonlighted, or I guess I should say daylighted as a safety for a couple of years and was an all-pro there as well. So there you go, Byron Jones. Noah Igbenogany, also under contract through 2024. He'll be a unrestricted free agent in 2025. He played seven games this year, made six tackles, 55 coverage snaps, 64 yards allowed, a 71.4% completion percentage, and there was a touchdown in there, so 139.3 passer rating. And I thought that Byron Jones during Igbo's rookie season said the things about Igbo you need to know about him as far as how he works, how he asks questions, how he's always putting the time both away from the facility, on the practice field, in the weight room, nutrition, the study, all that stuff. And I always go back to the point that if you want to get him on the field, you've got to take Xavier Howard or Byron Jones off the field. Are you doing that? I'm not. I don't think Igbo would do that. I mean, he would compete at that level, but he's not going to sit there and say like, yeah, those guys got to get off the field for me. But I think that what he really brings, the athletic traits, the change of direction, the kind of physical skill set as well, and what he can work on is just finding the football. He always seems to be in good position when he's in coverage and the ball can just find a way to get over his head. And guys tend to make these phenomenal catches on him as well, which I believe is a little bit of luck, but find the football and take away all hope for that luck. Also under contract, Trill Williams, he'll be a restricted free agent in 2024. He didn't play this season. Not under contract for the Miami Dolphins, Justin Coleman's the unrestricted free agent. Two picks, three passes defensed, 27 tackles, one tackle for loss. He played 275 coverage snaps and allowed 266 yards. And that one-to-one coverage snaps for yards allowed is not quite the same on the outside because there's a lot more shorter passes and different coverages and combos inside. So that number gets a little bit skewed. Uh, 69.4% completion percentage, 67.6 passer rating against on Justin Coleman. I liked his competitiveness and he kind of played with a temperament where like, I'm not going to back down to anybody and he plays that way on Sundays, but he also got hit with five flags this year. I thought he was grabby in camp and that kind of translated a little bit. So maybe just trying to find a way to keep that same energy, but not be so grabby. Nick Needham, restricted free agent this coming off season, two picks, scored one of them, five passes defense, 59 tackles, a TFL, he had two QB hits, a fumble recovery, and a sack for himself. He played 414 coverage snaps and allowed 448 yards, 72.2% completion rate, and an 81.4 passer rating. You know, the way this guy has come into the league as a perimeter cornerback, jumped inside to slot cornerback in his second season, and then played a full game basically at safety this year. It's impressive what he can do and the way he applies himself and the way he learns the defense and the complex defense from multiple spots to have an impact in multiple areas. The ball skills, he's involved as a rusher some of the times, and just the success he had covering some of the top slot cornerbacks in the league a couple of years ago and this year, it's been very impressive, especially as a UDFA. The one thing I would say he could work on is some of the change of direction at the top of the route when kind of some of those shifty slot receivers put moves on him. And, you know, he's he's not bad at it. I just think it's something he could get better at. Kind of like that Chester Rogers play where Rogers pulls him down for the for the DPI call they called in the Tennessee game. But, you know, just being in, in position to drive on those more frequently. It's something to work on, I think. Um, players that ended the season on reserve list in this position group, Jamal Perry and Elijah Campbell. And as far as what's available this coming off season in the draft, CBS Sports has a bunch of cornerbacks in their top 100. Derek Stingley out of LSU is atop that list. Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, though, I think might be the might be the bell of the ball here. He's a 
he is fantastic. One of the best cornerbacks to come out in recent memory for my money. Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. Another one of these really good players. Trent McDuffie from UW is awesome as well. Just a feisty ball, a, a ball skill guy that also can play multiple positions. Kyir Elam out of Florida. The, uh, I see the brother of Matt Elam, the former safety at Florida. Roger McCreary from Auburn. I've seen him number one on some big boards. Noah Daniels, Texas Christian. Kobe Bryant also from Cincinnati. And then Martin Emerson from Mississippi State. As far as pro football focuses, list of free agents, J.C. Jackson from New England, Casey Hayward, Kyle Fuller, Fabian Moreau, Levi Wallace, Desmond King, Chris Harris, Kawan Williams from the Niners, Darius Williams from the Rams, Dante Jackson from the Panthers can play inside. Long list of available cornerbacks. We'll see who actually hits the open market this coming off season. Let's go ahead and finish up here with the safety position. And we start with rookie Javon Holland, who is signed through 2024, unrestricted free agent in 2025. He had two picks this year, two and a half sacks and three fumble recoveries. He was the only player in the NFL to have multiples in each of those categories. He also had seven, seven quarterback hits, three tackles for loss, 69 tackles, nice, and 10 passes defensed. Pro football focus had him down for 16 pressures and 11 run stops. He played 527 coverage snaps, and this number also was wonky because of the free safety position, but 208 yards allowed. I mean, that's that's not even a, a half a yard per coverage snap. 54.5% completion, 78.6 passer rating. Ready for the whole list again? We've done this on a few players here. His ability to show pressure on the weak side C-gap then wheel out the cover, the middle third and cover three, ridiculous. His ability to come from depth and tackle and square guys up, outrageous. To come down and play the rat in the hole, his recognition and coverage on when he can peel off of his guy and make a play on someone else, elite level play this year from this kid. I think he took like one bad angle in the Titans game. Like I'm sure Javon has his list of things he wants to work on, but I have a hard time finding them on tape and trying to come on the podcast. Like I can say, Hey, you need to get better at this. Like it was really good this year. Brandon Jones, unrestricted free agent in 2024. He had a pick this year, five sacks, 10 QB hits, six tackles for loss, a pass defense. He forced a fumble. He recovered one. He had 79 tackles. PFF gave him 17 pressures and 18 run stops. On 313 coverage snaps, 305 yards allowed, 88% completion, and a 114.2 passer rating for Brandon Jones. I thought the way he times up his blitzes and the ability for him to anticipate what he sees through preparation to apply it to the practice or to the game day field, the play speed shows up with that. And that preparation puts him in advantageous positions and he is always primed to finish those plays, whether it's the big sack on Joe Flacco and the ball comes free or gets a pick later on in the season. And the sacks, the forced defender in the run game off the edge, that great play against the Ravens on that jet sweep to Marquise Brown, sticking his face in the fan at the point when tight ends or his man condense inside just really good player, man. The one thing I put for his improvement is the coverage work where he kind of plays that off and gives inside access and plays some slot position. I think he'll work on that and get better at that this offseason. Eric Rose also signed up for another year. He's a UFA in 2023. 71 tackles this year, one QB hit, four passes defensed, and three forced fumbles led the team. 420 coverage snaps, 416 yards allowed, 78.8% completion, a 111.5 passer rating, six pressures, and 24 run stops. I love the way he took it upon himself to get better every year down here in terms of battling in the box in the run game. He takes on blocks like a linebacker at this stage of his career. He was a cornerback three years ago. He also found the football this year with the three forced fumbles. And early on, he was a tight end eraser, except for Kelsey and Waller. But 
this year. Some other guys got him as well. I want to see him get back to that top notch at the catch point type of defender in the passing game. Clayton Fedgelum's also on the club for next year as far as his contract goes. UFA in 2023, almost exclusively special teams. He made seven tackles. Guys not under contract. Sheldrick Redwine is a restricted free agent. He came in late in the Carolina game, but was almost exclusively special teams. In his four games, he made two tackles. And then Jason McCourty ended the season on the reserve list. Seven games, 21 tackles, two passes defensed, 190 coverage snaps, 98 yards allowed, 78.4% completion, and 85.8 passer rating. I thought he showed you his range, his positional versatility. He's a corner and safety, basically. His leadership and communication, I thought, were important for Javon Holland. Great signing to put alongside Holland to get him up to speed. I thought that was a big impact on the rookie's game. In the draft this year, Kyle Hamilton is my number one overall player from Notre Dame. He's phenomenal. Tremendous, tremendous player. Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, also a great player. Jordan Battle, the play matches the name. He is a physical safety. Daxon Hill from Michigan can do it. Lewis Seen from Georgia is a good player. I love Jalen Catalan from Arkansas to round out the top 100 here as Bubba Bolden from Miami. Big fan of his game as well. At free agency from Pro Football Focus, top 100, Tyron Matthew, Devin McCourty, Marcus Williams, Marcus May, Quandre Diggs, Anthony Harris. It's a great list, man. LaMarcus Joyner and Bobby McCain also rounded out there. So lots of names on these draft and free agent lists. We'll see, again, this this list will be cut in half as far as free agency goes at every position, if not more. So something to keep an eye on, but we'll have you covered here on the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and finish up with special teams. Jason Sanders has signed through 2026. He was 23 for 31 this year. He was two for six from 50 plus, six for eight in the 40 to 49 range and seven for nine in the 30 to 39 range, six for six under 30 yards and 34 of 35 on PATs. I expect him to get back to that all pro level next year. That's, I mean, the only misses I ever saw him have were the ones in games. He never misses in camp or practice. So expect Sanders to return to that form next year. Blake Ferguson signed up through 2023, a UFA in 24, uh, are there stats for long snappers? I don't know. He made three tackles and recovered a fumble, though. And then not under contract, punter Matt Pilardi. He's an unrestricted free agent. 78 punts, 44.7 per punt. That was 24th in the National Football League. We have four futures contracts to talk about. Javaris Davis, the cornerback, big fan of his game. All tra- uh, training camp long. He appeared in one game, got a pass breakup. And Charles Burks was a big fan of the way he played in that game, the way he's prepared through camp and through the season. Adam Pankey played some tackle the last couple of years, also had some extra sixth man offensive line type of plays uh, over the course of the last two seasons. Wide receiver Cody Core uh, did not appear in a game. He did play four NFL seasons with the Bengals, or three with the Bengals, one with the Giants, and played in 51 games uh, in his career so far. And then offensive tackle Keon Smith spent the entire 2021 season on Miami's practice squad and did not appear in a game. We're going to have some senior bowl coverage coming your way here the next few weeks. We look at different prospects and get you primed and ready for draft season. It's officially here. All that coming up on future podcasts here on Drive Time. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast and the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, as well as all the previous media availabilities. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy is coming home. Already home.